You're listening to the Running Around Charlotte podcast, presented by the Milbon Health Charlotte Marathon. One day, five events, and a race day distance for every goal and pace. Find out more or register at runcharlotte.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Pinnacle Financial Partners and Bedgear, the official pillow partner of the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon. And here are your hosts for the Running Around Charlotte podcast, Tim Rhodes and DC Lucchese. The Boston Marathon is arguably the most storied event in our sport. No matter how long or how far you've been running, you've at least thought about running this one. And for those who have earned that prestigious BQ and then crossed that historic finish line, well, that's another story altogether, isn't it? The event's race director, Dave McGilvery, is a heck of a story in his own right. He's an author, a Hall of Famer, valedictorian in college and in high school, a TEDx speaker and founder of his own event company. He's run across America twice, raising money for children's charities and cancer research. And somehow he's made his time to be our guest on the Running Around Charlotte podcast. Dave, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time for us. Hey, you just said that exactly the way I wrote it. Thanks so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I'm going to take you on the road with me. There, there you go. The nice <laughs> intro. It wears me out, though. I, I think about this. The, the first one of the first stories I heard you tell was yeah. um, your when you were uh, young. Yeah. Your, it was for your first trip across America. You went out to I think yeah. it was Oregon and yes. you ran all the way across Medford the U.S. Medford. Yeah. Medford to Medford. Let's yeah. start with that. Tell us what the heck. Possessed you was to I do thinking? such a like that was back in the was that well, back in the seventies? Yeah, nineteen seventy eight. Seventy eight. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it all started when you know, growing up in Boston, I was exposed to so much sport. You know, Red Sox, Patriots, Bruins, Celtics, and it was just all around me. And so, all I ever wanted to be when I was a little boy was a professional athlete. But as the story goes, I was short in stature. So as a result, every time my friends, you know, pick sides is I got Pete, I got Ralph, I got Tim, I got Josh, I got Sally, I got Jane. They picked the girls over me. And so it was like I was always the last pick. And that really resonated in my head. And then when I went out to high school sports, basketball, baseball, I was inevitably always the last one cut. And so I learned at a young age the, the concept of rejection. And it's debilitating. And I've always felt there's three types of pain. There's physical pain, which you can train to overcome. There's mental pain, which is you can really work through it. But the most difficult one of all of them is emotional pain. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was experiencing as a young boy. But I had a conviction and a passion to want to be an athlete. So I started running. Why? Because nobody can cut you from running. Right? You just go <laughs> right. And I've run about 165,000 miles since then. And... I had heard about a friend of mine who had biked across the United States from my hometown of Method, Mass to Method, Oregon. And of course, the way my mind works, I'm like, well, if you can bike across, I can run across. Well, that's kind of an idiotic comparison. <laughs> I just said, I'm a runner. I'm not a biker and I'm going to work really hard and earn the right and do this. And so I decided, you know, maybe I cannot do this on my own, meaning just as a very personal goal, maybe I need to sort of connect this with something, a greater purpose. So I decided to align myself with the Jimmy Fund in Boston, which is the fundraising arm of the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, which was and still is the official charity of the Boston Red Sox. So I decided to 
raise money while I run across America. And Runner's World said that was the first time anyone had ever combined running with philanthropy and raising money for you know cancer research. So it's something that I'm very proud of, not necessarily running 3,452 miles, but you know, bringing in awareness and raising money so that, you know, other kids would have a chance like I had. The day, the, that's one thing in my research for this interview uh, that do you have any idea on how much money you have raised over the years? Yeah, I mean, it depends on, you know, there's, there's Dave and there's Dave's company, DMSC. Right, right exactly. And they're, in, you know, intricately involved, you know, they're connected, obviously. Right. So, and so, when I started my business, DMSC Sports, um, I I'd run across the country, and then I decided to open up a, a running uh, store. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was I was working for a benefit consulting firm, and as once I finished, I finished in, in Fenway Park, and then I came home, and my boss calls me and says, "You're coming back to work tomorrow," and I went, "I just ran across the continent. Yeah, you know, can I have a couple of days?" Right? <laughs> And three sore. days later, yeah, I'm a little sore. Three days later, I got a termination letter. And I'm saying to myself, that's the thanks I get for running across the continent, raising money for sick kids. But I, as I look at that, I say it was the best thing that ever happened to me mm-hmm. because I decided to now think outside the box and say, what do I really want to do in my life? And what I really want to do is, you know, the whole running scene, health and fitness and give back and philanthropy. I opened up a running store and then I started putting on events to promote the store. And then I realized I like putting on events more than shoes in people's feet. And all the events that I managed, um, I owned because I created them. And they were all competitive events. I mean, there was no philanthropy in the early years. It was just guys getting out there and gals and just running and running and trying to beat each other into the ground and, yeah. and win an award. But then all of a sudden, I started connecting my races with charity and it just took a whole different turn and then the walls of intimidation crumbled people started believing in themselves they got off the couch for a greater purpose than themselves and said i'm going to do this to raise money to help somebody else and then the industry just exploded so ever since then all my events basically are associated with some some cause mm-hmm. and when you add up all that money with the events and me personally and everything else it's well over 300 million dollars you know so yeah. <laughs> that is amazing wow. like I, said, I could yeah. not figure out how to do the math because it was like you said there was just so many uh Something. yeah you know tributaries to all of that yeah. i'm like it's got there to is. be just you know almost yeah. incalculable but like i said i figured yeah. you'd have a beat on it man yeah incredible Incredible. I mean, and I, I think there's kind of a diverse approach that you take. I, I don't think you've ever turned your back on an opportunity. I remember back um, after the 2012 marathon, the, the, uh, the sorry, the 13 marathon, the yeah. year of the bombing, and uh, the the work you did to uh, to try to help Martin and his legacy, Richard, yeah, and. Um, what is it? The MR8 foundation? Yeah. MR8. MR8. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so Martin was on one side of the street. He was eight years old and my son was on the other side in the bleaches and he's eight years old. And my son Luke saw everything. He was sitting right there in the bleaches. I wasn't actually physically right there at the scene at the time, but um, I actually went back to the start to stop my run because I run after everyone else 
And um, I got a phone call saying what happened at the finish. And I state police brought me right back in. And, you know, for me, I was, I was like, what happened? Right. And the first thing that I was thinking of was my own family sitting in the bleachers. Are they okay? And the cell service, I got knocked out. So I couldn't get a hold of my wife. So the first thing I did was I went into the medical tent to see what was going on. And it was full of people, but not runners. Right. And, yeah. But I knew there's not much I can do in the medical tent. And I knew 6,500 runners were stopped. And I said, I need to get back to work and help all these people. But I said, the first thing I need to do is find my own family. So I went to go up to the finish line and I got stopped by a police officer. And he said, hey, where are you going? I said, I'm going up to the finish line to try to find my family. He said, you can't go up there. And I said, well, I'm the race director. Here's my ID. He goes, it's, it's not your race anymore. And it just really hit me. Wow. wow. It's a crime scene now. And I I can't go where I want to go like I normally can. Right. And I still had no idea where my family was. Right. So I went in the other direction and and tried to help, you know, 6,500 people, you know, find their gear bags and get out of the area because we didn't know if there were more devices and, you know, you know, so. So yeah, it's a it's a whole story. <laughs> that yeah, day was uh, something you know. Obviously, I'll never forget. But the beauty about it was that you know where you know the the running community uh, will not be denied, right? So we we came back in 2014, bigger and stronger than ever. We had 9,000 more runners, so we we're up to around 30, 36,000 people. Um, and to see Meb Kafleski, an American, win the race and he had written the names of the four people who um, who died in the bombings um, on his bib, and it was just it was just pretty amazing. It was epic. It'll be an, an event that'll never be equaled. And we we took back you know Boylston Street. We took back the finish line. Um, so you know it it, it and, and now the Monica Boston Strong is being said everywhere because that's exactly what happened on that day. Yeah. And I, I had the privilege of running in 14 and, and part of the motivation was that, that I want to take this back. I'm yeah. not going to let yeah. some idiot stop us. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. you've, you've, uh, you've done some other things too, which I, I think kind of add to your legend. Um, one of them that you like to talk about, Dave, is your um, run your age on your birthday. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And I and can't I, run. It's been a long time since I've run a hundred miles. So yeah. it's like, it, it, I, I don't know if I can do it anymore, man. But it's yeah. like, <laughs> I, I, I like your, it, when I talk to you about it, you say, listen, it's, it's my, it's my thing. My it's game. my rules. I can yeah. change them if I want. Right. Have the rules changed? Or are you still running? Yeah. Well, t- tell um, us about that. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so when, when I was 12, you know, I just went out that morning and ran six miles around this pond near my house. And and then during the day, you know, you have the obligatory cake and ice cream. And as an athlete, I'm like, I got to burn that off. So I went and ran around the pond again. And it just happened to be coincidental, 12 miles on my 12th birthday. And, and I thought that was cool. And then when I turned 13, I said, what did I do when I turned 12? I ran 12, so I run 13 and 13 turned over, you know, and I get into these, I'm a streak freak. And, um, so I just get into just doing it, at, you know, every year. And I've run my age basically on my birthday or a day or two before, um, you know, for the last 56 years, 54 years. Um, so people ask me all the time, what the heck are you going to do when you turn 90? And I said, well, 
first of all, I want to be breathing. <laughs> no, I hope I'm here. You know, get out of bed. Get out of bed. Okay, next step, get out of bed. And then, you know, decide then what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something, but decide then. And I said, you know, my motto in life is it's my game. So it's my rules. And I can do whatever I want to do and how, you know, and I always challenge myself, but I'm, I try to be intelligent about the reasonableness of the challenge. I want it to be out there and I want it to be something that I have to work really hard at. But at the same time, I want to set it up for success and not failure. Um, so they have to be within your realm and you have to earn the right to do it. So um, a couple of years ago, I unfortunately was diagnosed with severe coronary artery disease. And um, so, you know, I, I was, because I went out for, was going out for a run and I could feel some difficulty in my chest and, and difficulty breathing while I was exercising. And initially I dismissed it like any runner would, and I'm going to pound through it um, because I've always felt there's two types of pain, there's wanting pain and there's challenging pain. And I just thought this was challenging. It wasn't really a warning. It was a warning. So it wasn't going away. So I went and had all these tests done, echocardiograms, pulmonary tests, stress tests, EKGs, everything. And all the doctors said the same thing. There's nothing wrong with you. I said, yes, there is. I can't breathe, <laughs> I can't breathe when I'm running. And I said, you got to give me the big boy test, right? Look under the hood, guys. And so they did a CAT scan and an angiogram and the cat doctor walks in and he goes, there, 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 and there. I said, there what? He goes, there, you have severe coronary artery disease. Oh, my gosh. And I said, no, really, what's going on? He goes, no, you do. <laughs> I said, how can I have severe? Like, this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. And then I run across the country. I've done all these different things in my life and the whole nine yards. How can I actually have severe coronary coronary artery disease i said is it is it genetics or is it self-inflicted and he said well it's probably a little bit of both and i said well you know i said so the first thing i said to him i said hey zip it up and he goes what i said zip it up he goes why i said don't tell anyone why i said because it's a ding in my armor right i don't want anyone to know after all these years of being Mr. Fitness, that I'm, I'm ill. And, and all of a sudden it leaked out and people started hearing about it. And I'm getting these emails from runners and athletes all over the country saying, hey, when I heard about your situation, I figured if it can happen to you, it can happen to me. And I was experiencing the same kind of symptoms. And I went and I got checked and I walked out of the hospital with three stents and you saved my life. And I said to myself, you know something, you little selfish son of a gun, you don't want anyone to know that, you know, you're vulnerable too, right? Mm -hmm. So wake up and you can help save lives. So then I come out with it and, you know, and now it's all about creating awareness. And what I learned at the age of 60 years old is that just because you're fit doesn't mean you're healthy. And I always, I always thought it did. So I, it, what was interesting is that, I started working on, I, so I said to the doctor, I said, let me ask you one question. He goes, what? I said, is this reversible? He said, it depends. I said, depends on what? He says, depends on the person. I said, well, you're looking at him. I'm right. <laughs> I said, yeah, in your discipline, I think you can have an impact in your own coronary artery disease. I said, well, sign me up. Like whatever I need to do, I'm going to do it. Cause I got to save my own life here. I put myself into this mess. Well, I changed everything, my diet, nutrition, my sleep habits. I always thought sleep was overrated. You know, I always wanted to get the most out of every day. So I didn't sleep a lot. 
stress from the bombing and uh, just all these other things. And I changed everything. And about five months later, you know, I, I lost 27 pounds and I re, uh, lowered my cholesterol level by over a hundred points. Jeez. And I said to my doctor, I said, Hey, I, I said, I, I want to, um, I want to do the Ironman again. I haven't done the Ironman in Hawaii in 25 years. I've done it eight times, but I haven't done it in 25 years. I want to use the Ironman as a magnet, as a target, just to get stronger and get better and fight this thing. So uh, I called the Ironman and I said, will you let me in the race? And they said, well, we heard about you and you got to get a note from your doctor. I said, what? (laughs) I've never got a note from my doctor in my life for anything. Well, we don't want you going down in the lava fields. Oh, man. Okay. So I asked my doctor, I said, will you give me a note? And he said, no. I said, why? I don't want you going down in the lava fields either. I said, well, what's it going to take? He said, let's do another angiogram. So we did another angiogram and he said, I can't believe it. I said, what? He says, you just reduced your severe coronary artery disease by over 40%. I said, okay, can I have the note? Now give me the note. Here's the note. Here's the note. So I went (laughs) back to Hawaii and I did the Ironman again. So it just kind of gave me more and more strength. And then a friend of mine called me up one day and he said, "Um, how would you like to do the World Marathon Challenge? And I said, "Uh, okay, but um, it's a $47,000 entry fee. And uh, I said, I'm not, I can't do that. My wife will slit my throat. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't have to pay. I'll pay for everything. You know, I'm getting a team together. I said, okay, sign me up. So I went ahead and did it. And it was seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, Antarctica and then South Africa, Perth, Australia, Dubai and Asia, Lisbon, Portugal, Cartagena in South America and Miami. So I did it in like January of 2018. And then all of a sudden I got home from that and I could feel some difficulty breathing again. I said, I thought I beat this. So I went back to the doctor and he did another angiogram and I had 98% blockage in my main artery. And I said to the doctor, how how did this happen? I did all the right things. He says, you can't run away from your genetics. I said, well, Okay. I said, I have a question to ask you. He said, what? I said, there's this little race in April in Boston, little jogathon. And I've shuffled through, through it a couple of times, like 47 years in a row. I said, what do you think? And he gave me the best possible answer. He didn't say, yes, I think you can do it. Or no, I don't think you can do it. He said, I'd be extremely disappointed if you can't do it. And I said, oh, okay. Right on. He gave me that four letter word, hope. And I said, all right, let's go ahead with the surgery and let's see what happens. So I had open heart triple bypass surgery in October of 2018. And then six months later was the Boston Marathon and I did it. And I've run about nine marathons since then. And so, you know, lucky for me that I was persistent enough to address my illness, which I didn't know I had until I was persistent in, in looking into it. And so, so the, so the message to everyone, every runner is, you know, again, just because you're fit doesn't mean you're healthy. If you feel something, do something about it, you know, because we're not invincible. I always thought we were. Mm. I, you know, I can't agree with you more because I think the same thing. And I think, you know, I've had some issues with uh, AFib and I, and I'm just like, I'll run through it. And, you know, it's like, well, you can't really run through that, but it's like, yeah, yeah, but I've been running regularly 
for my entire life. I don't have 160,000 yeah. miles on my wheels, but I've, you know, I've got a lot. Some, and, right? You know, I've, got, I've got a few. More than most. <laughs> and, um, and there is this feeling of invincibility that you can run through anything because, like, I'm healthy. I run, you know. I, mm. I can kind of eat what I want because I run. But, you know, I applaud you for sharing your story and, and not, zipping it up as you as you put it and and mm-hmm. letting people know like hey if dave can get it anybody can get it like because there's mm-hmm. not a lot of people that have one hundred sixty thousand miles on their odometer yeah. right so back to your question about my birthday run so right after that even though i ran boston i had to do from my birthday 63 miles i think it was 64 and my doctor said, you know, you, you are kind of pushing it. You just had open heart surgery. And I was like, hemming and hawing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I think I can do it. And I said, you know, I better be smart. You know, I, I can't I, I can't jeopardize my family, my own health, and, and put myself under such severe stress. I said, my game, my rules. So I said, well, minimally, I'm going to run a marathon, and then I'll bike the rest. So I ran 26.2 miles and bike 40, whatever the distance, you know, the, the, the difference sort of thing. I've done that for the last couple of years, just as I continue to recover from the surgery. And now my birthday's in a couple of months and I'll turn 68 and I'm planning. <laughs> what I'm, I'm not telling anyone, uh, especially my family. And, you know, I'll probably while they're away somewhere, I'll probably sneak out and see what I can do. I love it. Well, oh good for you. Of, of all the things, Dave, yeah. that, that you've accomplished in your life, running or otherwise, what's the one thing that you are most proud of? Well, I mean, I'm most proud of being a dad, <laughs> to be sure. quite honest with you. That's good. Um, but athletically, um, this, this, yeah, there is a lot. I mean, I ran across the country in 78 and I did it again 25 years later with, with nine other guys in relay fashion. I ran up the East coast of America from Winter Haven, Florida to Boston with a fellow by the name of Bob Hall who pushed a wheelchair, used a pioneer wheelchair running in America. So him and I ran up the East coast together again to raise money for cancer research, doing the world marathon challenge. I've run 24 hours in a row, running 120 miles, finishing halftime in the New England Patriot football game in front of 60,000 people. I'd swum in a pool for 24 hours nonstop. I've ridden my bike for 24 hours nonstop. Um, you know, at the birthday run, I've run, I just ran my 50th consecutive Boston Marathon. Um, I've run 165 marathons. I mean, so there's a lot there. I've ran the Boston Marathon one year blindfolded to raise money for the blind. Um, you know, I've run 165 marathons and that's the only one I don't remember because I never, I never saw it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I can go on and on about all these different, yeah. you know, athletic accomplishments and stuff. But, but the thing that I, I, I do feel I'm most proud of is just the whole concept of, you know, philanthropy and giving back and inspiring mm-hmm. other people to set goals and not limits and believing in themselves. And, you know, it's funny, when I was asked what I did for a living years ago, I used to mumble, I'm a race director. They're like, what? I'm a race director. And they go, oh, what do they do? Chalk mark in the road, y'all go? And I said, well, yeah, a little bit more than that, but that's about what we do. 
And then I've really figured it out that, no, that's not what we do. Well, we do that. But on the other hand, the end result is, well, what I do is I help raise the level of self-esteem and self-confidence of tens of thousands of people in America. You know, and, and that's what I feel I'm most proud of is giving people an opportunity, giving people a chance. It's funny, people, I say to people all the time, you know, um, uh, what's the toughest part about running a marathon? And what is it? The toughest part about running a marathon is signing the application, right? It's having the guts and the and 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 the and making the commitment to put it on the line, and then you have to earn the right to do it, and then you work hard and you train and you earn the right and you toe the line, you answer the gun, you run the course, you cross the finish line, you get a medal, and the magic happens. Yeah, you go home feeling good about yourself, and there's nothing more powerful in this world, nothing than to feel good about yourself because that's the foundation by which we accomplish everything in our lives, right? You can't do anything unless you feel good about you. And I try to teach people that philanthropy starts with you. You have to take care of yourself. And many times when I used to go out the door when I was younger and I had a, still had, you know, younger, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I always felt guilty because like I'm leaving my family at home. I'm going out doing my own thing. You know, is that, is that, is that selfish? And now I've realized it's just the opposite, especially after getting coronary artery disease. I said, that's unselfish to take care of yourself. Because if you take care of yourself, you don't end up burdening other people to have to take care of you because you abused the, the privilege of having a good body. You just abused it. So yeah. you didn't take care of yourself. And two, you put yourself in a position where now you can help other people. It doesn't get any better than that. So you, the number one, the most important person in the world has to be you. You have to treat yourself that way in order to help other people. And that's what I learned through all my running. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Dave. It's like when Tim and I were talking about this show, yeah. I, I he, he thought this was going to be a terrible interview. I don't know where he got that uh, idea from. Come on now. I, this is what I've been looking forward to. Oh, you're, you're probably hang up going, it was your <laughs> No, it's just been, it has <laughs> been, it has been a heck of a treat, man. Get his head examined. Yeah. I, but, but I remember when, when you said that at Running USA about what really is involved esoterically about yeah. being a race director and the impact you have on so many lives. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, that is 100% true, man. That is 100% yeah. true. Yeah. So incredible yeah. stuff, man. Incredible. Your inspiration to so many people um, in and out of the running industry, but, you know, for me, just someone to look up to i you know you go to you go to these running usa conferences and other conferences and it's like oh there's dave McElroy. He's the, he's the boston marathon race director you know he's kind of a big shot and yet there's no big shot in who you are now when when i come up and say dave how you doing how you been and it's yeah. it's always about someone else it's about what we're doing it's about how are you doing tim how, you know I, let me ask you a question i, I was thinking about this and i want to ask your advice I was like, Dave McGilvery's asking my advice about something. He was just asking you where the men's room was. That was that's not advice, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, directions. Um, what time is it? Yeah. <laughs> that's information, but, you not know, advice. I, I just, I appreciate uh, your giving back in so many different ways. And it, you're, mm. you're right. It all, it all starts with your heart and your attitude yeah. um, toward life. And, you know, I think those lessons we learn in our formative years about being, whether you're the last pick or the first picked on or what, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the, the, you wouldn't change those for the world because that's what made you who you are. And it's 
those those experiences are what made me who I am, and I'm I'm proud of who I am, and I know you're proud yeah. of who you are, and thank you so much for for everything. the The inspiration is you know a, a fellow runner and a human being and race director and whatnot. So thank yeah. you. Keep it up and uh, let us know what you're planning for. What is it? Sixty eight? Did you say? Yeah. Sixty eight yeah. years. Yeah, in a couple months. So couple months. Yeah. So thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, Dave. Bye, guys. The Running Around Charlotte podcast is presented by the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon. One day, five events with a race day distance for every goal and pace. Registration and more information is at runcharlotte.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Pinnacle Financial Partners and Bedgear, the official pillow partner of the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon. Running Around Charlotte is produced in partnership with Well Run Media and Marketing. New episodes are available every week, anywhere you listen to podcasts.